Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Caged In podcast. I'm your host Petrus Patsyllabus and this is a weekly podcast where I am watching every single Nicolas Cage film. That's what we'll be doing for the first season and then after that we'll move on to another actor who I haven't I haven't decided who that's going to be yet. So you'll have to just listen on throughout all these. Yeah, I don't want to... I've already... I've, 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 I've committed on Nicolas Cage. Like, there's so much to go through that I don't want to... I don't want to have to think about where we're going to move on from here until a lot later on. Um, but... Um, this week we will be looking at Guarding Tess from 1994 and like many of the films before this and many of the films to come I know nothing about this one which is perfect because I live by a couple of rules on this podcast and one of those rules is no expectations so going into these films I'm trying to know as little as possible if I don't know anything about them already. There's obviously a few things I can't avoid um, just from living my life. And some of these films I've seen before. Um, But since taking on this task, I've refused to watch any later Nicolas Cage films. I've, um, yeah, and I'm I'm not watching any trailers, not looking at any scores. Scores I'll look at at the end. Yeah, I going about every week um i'm gonna see if my scores match those of scores find on the internet and um see if i'm a complete fucking idiot and like do you know what probably will find out that i am um i often toy with the idea of just packing in this podcast because like what are you doing are you, are you are you benefiting the world in any way Probably not, but it's funny, isn't it? <laughs> it's real funny, so I'm going to do it anyway. Fuck it. Um, so, yeah, and the other rule is no distractions. So I will um, turn my phone off, turn my light, pretty much have no no contact with the inside, what, the inside the outside world. I'm pretty much insular in this Nicolas Cage bubble, and that's why I'm going to stay until after the film. After the film, I do a little bit of um, a little bit of looking online, just see if there's anything I can find to like add to talking about the film. Uh, I always say that I'm going to do that. I always forget. I always say this podcast world. I'm going to share stuff on social media that they talk about. But because these podcasts are kind of just my reactions afterwards and stuff like that are literally there. They're going from notes, but they're literally. It's me just spitballing. None of this is scripted. It is just what the fuck dribbles out of my mouth for the moment that I start recording. And um, I kind of like that. I'm going to keep it that way. (laughs) Um, But yeah, uh, if you've never listened before, it's going to be fun. If you're here because you like Garden Tess, always go back to some previous episodes. There's some fucking great films. I really recommend... um, Film-wise and episode-wise, I really recommend Deadfall, which was episode, uh, was that 17, maybe? Or 18? Oh, God. I think it was 18. Um, Or there's, yeah, there's loads. 
watch Rumblefish. That was like episode two. And Rumblefish is a fucking great film. Uh, uh, episode eight as well. Peggy Sue got married. Peggy Sue got married is a fantastic film. I really enjoyed that. Um, but yeah. Sorry about that noise as well. My uh, upstairs neighbours are cleaning their carpets. So if you hear like a hum, I think I, I, don't, know, I don't know if I can just hear it through these headphones or I can hear it just in real life. Um, but yeah, sorry about that. It's probably not the best for a podcast, but I've got to record this because it's the only free time I have this week to do so. So I'm going to get my feet up turn my phone off and get raging with a Cajun. Feels like I've been awake for days watching film starring Nicolas Cage could be shit or it could be fun. Valley girl face off an army of one Deadful Cornell, Lord of War, The Wicker Man, Trespass and so many more. Know how it starts, I don't know how it ends. The first ten are solo, then it's me and some friends. No distractions, no expectations. Over the weeks, hear my frustrations. I guess the podcast is about to begin. I'm your host, Petra Plasilevis, and I'm caged in. And we're back. I actually uh, watched this film yesterday. I gave it a day to ruminate percolate just really get my thoughts i did, did a little bit of research after watching this one as well kind of um looked at the director haven't still haven't looked at the scores so um this is a 1994 film uh, as i said in the intro it's guarding tess uh it's the story of a reluctant special uh special agent who has an assignment from hell guarding the ex-president's wife. Uh, the old president has died, and he's, his detail is to look after the president, the ex-president's wife, who is just a tyrant. She kind of has them doing all sorts of stuff that really, as a special agent, you don't think you should be doing. It's a lot of getting a breakfast like going to play golf out in the, the snow god damn it um yeah he kind of wanted a bit more white house down he's kind of got a bit of blue rinse down that's kind of where he's at and yeah cage um right let's how does this film fucking start it starts with our main man nicky cage who plays a character called doug chesnick in this film uh special agent doug chesnick uh he arrives at a house he delivers breakfast to um tess and then leaves um he has a bloody mary on the plane and he's in washington uh he has come to see the head of the secret services and wants to his assignment for what he knows is over he's like Thank God for that. I don't have to guard this woman anymore. Um, and he's like, I want to. I want something a bit more. I want something a bit more. Like you know, what I mean, I'm guarding the president. I could be doing some, doing some ah, Gerard Butler shit. He could be doing some Olympus fall, Olympus has fallen stuff. Like if the president's gonna get attacked, I'm gonna be there. He wants to be John McClane. He wants to be. He wants to be. Do you mean he Steven Seagal? He wants a Steven Seagal, but that's not what he is getting. Um, 
the head of the Secret Services says to him, I've got a personal favour to ask you from the President. The President said, can you stay on for another term, which will be three years uh, guarding Tess? And he's like, oh, fuck, like, and he's like, I'll give you give give you a few moments to think about it. Um, which pretty much, you know from that that he's got to do it. It's like the president wants him to do it. Um, he begrudgingly goes back. Literally, he's on the next flight. He gets back, and everyone's like, "What's what? What are you doing back so soon? We thought you were gone. We thought that was it. You were moving on to bigger, to better things." Um, and then he goes in and sees Tess. And uh, she is, like, it's real frosty between them. He doesn't want to be there, and he kind of lets her know that. He's like, I just, I wanted to move on. Like, I'm back here because you want me to be here. Um, And he takes, before he goes over, he takes the head of her rose and puts it in his lapel. And, um... She makes a point like she's like, give me my rose, give me the head of my rose back. I want it back. Uh, and he's out. He's out. He's like, fuck, fuck this bitch. Um, he's off. He's in the uh, secret service quarters of all the rest of the guys. Um, and she sets off the alarm, which is obviously there for, I don't know, shit goes down. And she kind of uses it willy-nilly as the, uh, a room service call for the Secret Service agents to kind of do her bidding for her, do whatever she wants when she wants. Um, and she says to them, I want to play golf. Like, can you have the car ready in half an hour? Let's get on the course. And they're like, it's pretty, pretty cold outside. She's like, nope, we're going anyway. It's kind of like, you kind of telling scene at a golf course. You can kind of, she's very demanding and she hits her ball into the shrubbery and Doug says to her like she's like go get my ball and he's like I'm literally going to do my job by the book now you know I don't want to be here if you want your ball you go get it like this is not my job as a secret service agent um yeah and he like <laughs> this is the first moment in the film we kind of see Cage lose it. He loses his mind a fair few times. Like it's like you can't you can't cage him. You can't like that wild man will come out in any film he does. It could be I don't know, it could be the most somber art house dramatic film and he would probably still find a way to fly off the handle. Um then he is in a Diner with all the rest of the service, so secret service guys kind of showing off, being like, put her in her place, didn't I? Bloody look at me. I told her what for. I told her, you want your bloody ball, you go get it, love. Um, and then he gets a phone call on the phone in the diner, and it is actually the president who says, I heard there's a bit of a, a bit of an issue with a rose. You're ripping up roses in front of Tess, like. I'm not. I'm not happy about this. So I've got to call you again over this minor bullshit. I'm not going to be happy. You're going to be guarding my dog. Um, so he is pretty much. By she's got him by the balls. He knows it. She knows it. Um, then, like, yeah, not really. I don't know. Not a lot really much happens in this film. Um, they head off to an opera. 
uh, and she's just being she's been difficult for the sake of it because she knows she's got him where she wants him and um she won't sit there's um i didn't know this but in in like secret servicing if that's what you call it um there is set places you have to sit in a car as you're protecting someone and you always have to sit behind the passenger seat so the driver and the secret service agent can both see you she refuses to do so um and it's like it's kind of like them trying to play each other he's like well we're not moving this car until you go until you sit in the right seat the guys in the car behind are like let's just go like um and then he kind of like she eventually sits in the right seat and they head off to the opera um you get you know, the tone of this film's pretty weird. Like, I'm not sure. Like, I read online it says it's a comedy, but I don't know. It's not that funny. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, it's like a drama with like elements. I don't, the guy, the guy who directed it, um, I think he wrote it as well. Two seconds. Um, The guy who wrote it, his name is Hugh Wilson. And yes, he also wrote this film with Peter Tokovev. And he has a writing credit on Police Academy. Um, which, uh, if, you've enjoyed, <laughs> if you've seen those films, uh, check out the Bitter End podcast. I think it's their season five is Police Academy and it is great uh but yeah and we also have uh the actor who plays tackleberry from police academy is also in this film so like i don't know seeing someone like that you think it's going to be a lot more funnier than it actually is uh but yeah you kind of like there's a moment when they're driving to the opera where they're playing opera in the car that nicholas cage and shirley mclean's character tess are in uh, whereas the guys in the following car are kind of playing rock and roll, having a bloody good time. Uh, and then, yeah, we get to the opera. She falls asleep. Uh, he tries to wake her up. She kind of like lets out like a <laughs> like gasp as she wakes up. And everyone in the opera looks around to look at her. And she has a go at him and says, like, I'm so embarrassed. Like, that's it. We're not staying here tonight. It's going to stay here. But you've bloody ruined it. Let's just go home. Um, but as they come out the opera into the foyer, everybody bloody loves her. They're like, want signatures. Like, um, I don't know. You kind of see in this that uh, Doug takes his job way too seriously because a lady is reaching into a bag to get a pen and he kind of grabs her by the arm like, whoa, what are you got in the bag? And she's like, I just wanted, a, just wanted an autograph. He's like, I'll take this card, I'll get you a signed photo, okay, send, send send some postage, send a signed envelope to this address and we'll get it back to you, don't worry. Um, so, yeah, they end up staying the night and then the next day at a gas station, they're all like kind of filling up on food and stuff like that, filling up the cars, and um, Tess does a runner with the driver, Earl, she says, that's it, come on Earl, let's bolt out of here. They drive off for ages. They don't know what to do. Um, 
the secret service guys end up calling the local police who find it hilarious like oh see a load of secret service agents have managed to lose the person they're looking after because you're all bloody idiots he's got on speakerphone like a load of fat blokes typical like typical portrait like if chief wiggum was a real person you you proper like post like Real cartoon image of cops. That's there's a whole fucking precinct of them. They're all fat. They're all sipping down coffee and shoveling in donuts like there's no fucking tomorrow. Um, she eventually <laughs> turns up and Doug is not happy at all. He grabs Earl, the driver, and says, "That's it. You're fucking. I'm gonna get you fired." And he's, Probably going to swear. That's me. I can't help it, but swear, guys. Sorry. He's like, that's it. Oh, you fucking piece of shit. You're getting fired. And he's like, you can't fire me. I'm, I'm, I'm employed by Tess. He's like, no, you're employed by Tess through us. So fucking, that's it. You're gonna be out. You, you bloody scoundrel. Um. And then he storms into Tess's room and has an argument with her and says like. I don't know, like, she's like, you guys just follow me all the time. He's like, that is our job. That's what we're supposed to do. You know at any moment you can have the Secret Service called off. Like, you don't have to have us here. Um, So she does. She's, the next day, she's like, that's it. Don't, don't want you guys here. And um, Cage is ready to go. He's like, that's it. I'm going back to Washington. Maybe now, maybe now my big moment in the sun will come. I will become the bodyguard to the president. I will become the Gerard Butler that I know is in my heart. I will become the Channing Tatum. I know I am. Uh, um, And, um, yeah, Doug then gets another phone call from El Presidente saying, I've heard she's got rid of the... uh, got rid of the secret service we can't be having that it's not it's not me who wants it i know she's a crone you know she's a crone it's the public they love her they 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 will not feel they will not feel happy unless they know she is looked after what if someone attacks her in the night it's it's her choice um the secret service guys um then follow her. They're kind of trying to win her back. Uh, they follow her to the hospital. Um, Doug gets out of the car and tries to have like tries to speak to her. She's like, "Just leave me alone." Um, at the hospital as well, there is something that was mentioned at when the first meeting that Cage has with Tess when he first arrives back, and she says as uh, a bit of a joke, she says, "Um, say." I got three, like, she kind of lists off three things. She's like, one of them's true. She's like, I've got an inoperable brain tumour. Um, I don't know, you're, you're, you're free to, you're free to, you're, you're free to leave at any, or like, yeah, I want, I don't, I don't want you here. You you could just leave. You can have a whale of a time or I want to go golf. And he's like, well, when are we going golf then? Um, but it turns out, you kind of see, this is another moment where I was like, ah, it's not really comedy, it's a bit more of a drama, is because in the hospital you see her getting CAT scans, you get to see her scans of her brain, and you see that she does have a tumour. Um, 
So yeah, but it's never it's, she never mentions it to any of the Secret Service guys. It's kind of kept on the hush hush and kind of you like this is the moment in the film I start to sympathise with her that kind of she's she likes having these people around as much as I don't know they're almost like a family to her. She argues with them. She kind of uses and abuses them, but she likes to have them around. Um, then her son comes, who is a bit of a scumbag, a bit of a tycoon of industry type, um, pointing no fingers, Donald Trump. <laughs> um, sorry. Uh, yeah, like that kind of slimy guy, and he's like, oh, I've got this, uh, I've got this great, great retirement complex I want to build, um, which, when this happened, it just reminded me, all I could think when I saw this on screen was... Del Boca Vista from Seinfeld. Um, I know I mentioned Seinfeld a lot in this show, but I really like Seinfeld. Probably should have done a Seinfeld podcast. Well, there's plenty of them out there. Then again, there's plenty of Nicolas Cage podcasts out there. But what the fuck we're gonna do? We've already we've committed, guys. We're 20 episodes in. We're gonna get to the fucking end, whether you like it or not. <laughs> um, yeah, and um, he's like, I've got this. I've got this idea, like, but one thing we need for financing is an endorsement from someone like you, someone, someone the, the public trust. You're an older lady. All we need to do is write a letter. And she, she looks offended. She's like, no, I'm not. I'm not going to do this. Like, and rightly so. She, he, she doesn't want her name like associated with just this quick rich scheme that her son has and good on her he um he then like kind of storms out smokes a ciggy and is like fuck's sake <laughs> um and then she watches i don't know i don't know if this is really weird but it's kind of like a vhs compilation of news footage and um of her dead husband and like in a lot of the footage see doug's there so obviously he's been with them a long time he's been there since they were um since her husband was the president, and uh, there's footage of the her husband's funeral, and Doug's looking real sad, and it's kind of this is the moment. It's like uh, maybe he's not, maybe he's not such a bad guy. Like maybe like obviously he wants to progress in his career, but uh, you know what, like. Maybe I do like him. Like <laughs> he's a nice guy. Uh, so she goes out to to kind of reconcile with him. He's sat in his car, like with a fucking like a proper big pot of coffee. Like I'm talking like the type, um, like a proper filtered jug that you kind of see in like old school American diners. You know, like the ladies like oh, you want a tap up of your coffee, like that type of thing. Yeah. And he's got one of those, and like, I don't know how he's powering it. I'm guessing he's got some type of like plug system that goes into the cigarette lighter. And he, um, she startles him, and he pours hot boiling coffee all over himself, which for me was a standout moment. It was almost like a slapstick, kind of like I don't know, kind of felt like a gag that our old man Hugh Wilson had laying over. From the police academy films, he couldn't manage to fucking shoehorn in 
at some point, but managed to shoehorn it in in this film. Um, she actually then invites him in for a coffee, which is a bit of a like joke. Seeing he is covered in coffee, they end up just having a drink. She's like, well, sometimes I like to I like to get get pissed up. I like to booze it. Um, and they end up discussing the past, and she lets on that her husband had cheated on her, and she's like, bet you didn't think I knew that, like, you obviously know that you know to him, and stuff like that, um, and she's like, let's get out of here, let's go to a bar, um, they're not going to a real dive bar, and he's, she's like, let's talk about you, and find out that he had like a really short marriage that lasted for about seven months, and, um, Kind of get a, like this moment you get a bit of insight into him. He's a very proud man. Like he's like, how do you know that? Did you read my file? And she's like, no, my husband told me. Like I'm not the type of person to read someone's file. I would like to get know them into like an interpersonal way, like not not just read up about them. Uh, and yeah, you find out he's quite proud because he's like, I don't tell people because I'm kind of ashamed that I was married for such a little time. And she's she questions him like why why did it only why didn't it last that long he's like well I was the last one to realise like everyone else realised that she wasn't the right woman apart from me sounds like she was a bit of a bitch this lovely chat then prompts her to get the secret service back in business there once again looking after her she is in their wonderful hands. She is in their care. And it's all going to be good. And it's followed with some good news that the president is coming to visit Summersville, Ohio. So, and they're all then getting ready. Uh, they're going to spring into action, do what they do best. Kind of get a montage of the Secret Service agents, like, getting all their shit together. Um, Tess is excited. She's getting stuff done there's like a funny scene in a grocery shop where like they're all kind of man man in the place like speaking over the radios getting a price check on some peas she's not interested she manages to lose the secret service agents in there she's kind of playing it's kind of jovial it's fun now sorry about that my phone decided to just start playing a podcast but um, yeah, so she's she's kind of playing with them. Everyone seems in good spirits. Um, she then gets she's getting her hair done. She's excited. She's like dyes it to her. She's going grey. She dyes it back to a more natural brown. She feels young. She feels vibrant. It is at this moment that a fax comes through and it's bad news. The president is going to cancel. He's not going to visit. Instead, he's sending someone like Secretary of Defence, someone someone lower down, some some schmuck, some lady schmuck. No one really cares about. Um, and we kind of get the visit. Um, she's she's having a laugh. She's having a joke. Um, and then next thing we get is she says she wants to um, she wants to go for a picnic in the cold. She says she wants the only person to be there is Doug and um so she they drive out in the middle like by a lake 
she's got a table up, she's um, sat there and she ends up falling asleep and um, Doug carries her into the car and like goes to get the chair and Earl the driver fucking bombs it off and you think oh maybe she's just playing another game again but no she is not Earl has fucking kidnapped her what um yeah they do not come back it is not a game um and all of a sudden all the big dicks are coming in the cia the fbi um they're all there one one guy says to doug like you call yourself a secret service agent seven of you couldn't look after the lady you're supposed to look after you guys disgust me some real fucking slick prick FBI agent coming in, fucking shooting his mouth off. Uh, uh, and then we kind of get the information that there's a ransom for $15 million to get her back. Um, and one of the agents kind of is telling all the secret service agents, going to have to let you go. We're going to step in now. Uh, it's the FBI's jurisdiction. You guys can kind of go home. And he explains how there is a crescent burn on Earl's neck. And they found a needle with kind of horse tranquilizer and stuff like that. It's knocked him out for hours. uh, And he's laid up in hospital. And he says he reckons that it's some type of Middle Eastern gang. This is their sign. They reckon it's like, I don't know, 1994. It's It's probably like some Iraq war shit, some... George Bush-esque bullshit (laughs) Um, that they're trying to tap in on. But this gets Doug thinking uh, when he's driving away with one of the guys and he gets a cigarette and he uses the lighter in the car and he has a eureka moment and he's like, I fucking know what it is. Um, And then he goes to the hospital with the head of the FBI and they're talking to Earl. They're trying to figure out what's going on. Like, oh, let me have a look at that burn. And then Earl starts going, oh, it's, why are you questioning me? It's Doug you should be questioning. He's he's the one who hates her. And then obviously, from an outsider's perspective, it can look like Doug is very suspicious because obviously him and Tess have a very tempestuous relationship. They're always at loggerheads. But this is when the film takes a turn for the fucking weird because Doug ends up grabbing Earl, the driver, points a gun in his face and then shoots off one of his toes. And he's like, unless you give me information, I will shoot off all your toes. Um, He eventually does. He confesses and says that his sister and her husband had a plan to kidnap Tess and they're holding her up in a farmhouse um, in the middle of nowhere and it was all their idea he had nothing to do with it and obviously him getting drugged was to throw off the scent that he wouldn't be involved the crafty little bastard Um, then we get a real dramatic scene of the FBI like kind of spotlights going on they raid this little shack where his sister and brother-in-law live and they take them to where they have put Tess and they've buried her inside a barn in a box with just a tube for some air and um, 
the Secret Service guys that worked for her insist on digging her up. It's a bit weird, obviously. They had guys employed for that, but they're like, no, we want to do it. They get down to her, um, and then they kind of stretch her out and put her on a helicopter with a big dick, FBI and CIA guys inside the inside the helicopter. They're all there, like, patting each other on the back, thinking they're big shit. And Tess wakes up and says, I want, I want my boys. I want my boys. I want my, I want my Secret Service boys. And then the word gets through. He's like, hey, Doug Chesnick, Doug Chesnick. Everyone's like, where's Doug Chesnick? The word gets back. He's like, I'm Doug Chesnick. Runs back and she's like, yeah, we're, sorry. Come on, FBI guys, CIA guys. Got to get the fuck out. Um, and he, then they have like this tender moment on the flight where she kind of like oh you got to fire a gun he's like mm, maybe not really uh kind of figured out well she's like yeah did you kill someone when you shot him? Like, no not really i shot a guy's toe off <laughs> just thinking about the idea of uh yeah he kind of wanted big action he wanted nakatomi tower instead he's shooting off a guy's toe in the hospital uh, <laughs> um and then we get the next scene is Tess is in hospital and she's well, she's better now. It's time for her to go home. She's got a secret service guys back in tow. Um, no pun intended there. <laughs> um, and she has a phone call with the president and says, I want Doug looked after. Because he has saved my life, and presidents kind of been like, oh, he did fire a gun in a public place and he shot a guy's toe off. But she's like, I don't care about that. Even when I'm gone, I want him looked after. He's a good man. So through it all, Doug got what he wanted. He's gonna be looked after. He doesn't have to look after the president's dogs. He's got Tess on side. There's like kind of like this love and friendship that has blossomed between them. First are at loggerheads, but over time, I think it was over them drinks, and they kind of had a. I don't know. I found at times their relationship to be a bit weird. It kind of seemed like is it is it slightly sexual? Is there like a sexual tension going on? I'm not not quite sure. Um, and then on the way out, there <laughs> there is a uh, hospital porter with a wheelchair and says to Tess, "You have to get in." And she's like, "No, no." You see that she hasn't changed. She's still going to argue with people of authority, and the guys claim the guys saying, "But it's it's ah, oh, what's the word? It's protocol. You have to do it." And it's very very similar to the way that Doug was. And Doug says, oh, "Come on, like does she have to? Like are the rules are the rules that really stringent?" But then says the test, "Get your goddamn ass in the chair." We've got to wheel you out of here. And the, she's then wheeled out to a hero's welcome. All the townsfolk are there. They're all happy. Doug's happy. He's in tow. He's got the glass on. He's got that classic, shady, secret service guy look to him. That is another thing I like this whole, the look. Uh, he's just um, a run-of-the-mill, early 90s secret service guy look. And... <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a great one. Uh, it's not some of the best looks that Cage has had, but it's definitely up there. Uh, 
And then that's the end of the film. So, uh, yeah, as I said, I took a day or so, well, I took a day to kind of let this one sit with me. And um, I don't know, I didn't really enjoy this one. This wasn't, this didn't really have me gripped. Like I was, I don't know, I expected there to be a bit more action as opposed to a kind of like, almost drama like with elements of comedy about these two characters being at loggerheads i expected a bit more like i don't know i thought maybe she would get kidnapped a lot earlier on in the film or something like that and it would kind of be a bit more of a comedy caper of him trying to get her back or something like that or i don't know i don't again i don't know i didn't know what to expect but i kind of wasn't expecting what we got with this one um but bearing that in mind, it's enough about what I had to think about the film. Let's have a little look what the internet has to say. Um, the scoring systems we are getting today are... We will be looking at IMDB, Roger Ebert and Rotten Tomatoes. So, as following, IMDB 6.2 out of 10... Roger Ebert, 3.4, 3.5 out of 4, sorry about that, and Rotten Tomatoes, 59. Um, This seems like it's got fairly good scores, obviously not the best, it's probably like an average around that 60% mark if it was a percentage, Um, I don't know, like, I don't think I enjoyed it as much as that, like, again... I don't think this is my kind of film. There's a lot of films in this that haven't been my kind of film, but I still enjoyed. This one, I didn't enjoy that much. Um, I don't feel like it was classic Cage, even though we had traces of him. As I said, in any film you could put this guy in, he probably would still have moments of freaking out, and that's great. I love I love a good Cage freak out. Um, but this one, I don't know, kind of... It was kind of boring, if I'm honest, it was like, I don't know, I'm hoping, I know that coming up we have like, yeah, when we get into the 20s, oh, things get crazy, we've got a run of crazy, crazy films, um, but next week's episode um, might just be a checking in episode, yeah, it probably is, but I might get a couple of interviews uh, listening next week. There might be something fun next week. It might be an extended checking in episode. Uh, I will, like I did after the ten, ten, first 10 episodes, I'm going to do another IQ test to see if I've got dumber whilst this has gone on or if I've, my intelligence has increased by some miraculous chance. But yeah, um, that will be next week's episode and I might have an interview with someone cool so tune into that one and the best way you can obviously keep up to date with the podcast is just subscribing on itunes apple podcast whatever you want to call them um yeah just type in the Cajun podcast I, I imagine a lot of you listening now uh probably already doing that but you can also there's the social medias it's all at caged in pod on facebook twitter and instagram um 
yeah, and I always put up on those when episodes go live. And obviously, if you're subscribed on any of the podcasting platforms, they'll just come automatically onto your feed, and you'll be able to you'll be able to listen. Obviously, any ideas you guys have about these films, shout shout me out on any of those social medias, or you can hit me up on email, which is cagedinpod at gmail dot com. Yeah, write reviews on Facebook uh, on iTunes as well. That's always fucking great um and then the next film we'll be covering on the podcast will be it could happen to you also from 1994 Uh, i don't have a guest for that one yet but i might do so definitely check out that one that might be next week's episode or that might be the following episode but until then guys as always I've been your host, Petrus Patsilvis. I've been caged in. You've been rad. Bye. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Copa Connections, A Drooptown Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.